0: Welcome back to The Gathering Podcast with your hosts, Travis and Will. Will, say hey. Hey. See how I changed that from hey,
1: or from hi to hey. Yeah, um, I like that. So, Will. Yeah, so you guys are probably listening to this. It's uh, after Christmas, but before New Year's. So hopefully you had a great Christmas. And this podcast is actually about fatherhood. So if that's you, hopefully you had a great Christmas with your kids, and with New Year's just around the corner, I'm hoping that maybe myself and you guys can take some of the content from this podcast and maybe make some New Year's resolutions to become a better dad in 2020. Yeah, resolutions or resolutions? What did I say?
0: (laughs) You said it right. Um, (laughs) Anyway... So, yeah, Christmas, I, I gotta be honest, this, uh, this Christmas was probably one of my most favorite. Um, we really got the chance to spoil our kids this year. And normally we, you know, we don't like a lot of stuff, so we try to keep it pretty low key. But, uh, yeah, we really kind of had the chance to spoil them and, and it was just fun, um, getting to watch them open everything up and, see their faces and i, I really enjoyed myself we kind of took it chill all day
1: and and yeah it was great really had a good time mine was the opposite as far as chill now i really enjoyed it because my oldest is two and a half so he finally like understands like christmas means presents and so we had to get up really early at 6 30 though to go to the in-laws and i'm like oh no he went to bed so late this is just going to be terrible he's going to be so cranky and so i go in at Like six o'clock. I rub his back and say, It's Christmas. And nothing. Say a little louder, It's Christmas. And he kind of sits up. What? It's Christmas? No way. (laughs) And then just every time he opened a present, it was just awesome. That's awesome. So you get together at your in laws and the, the whole family, right? I saw some pictures. The whole family was there. The whole family early in the morning, open presents, have breakfast take some naps. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really so, cool. That I almost came fun. to your house after I saw a picture with all those presents. Hoping <laughs> one was for me. but So uh, two weeks ago, we had the gathering meeting, physical meeting, and we talked about the Father Heart of God and what it means to be a father. And we took basically a very wide angle view at uh, – just a handful of the, our Father God's attributes. We didn't get into any specifics. Um, and so if if you're so fortunate and blessed to be given the title of father, of dad, or even of stepdad, then we need to look to the Father God in how to become a godly father. And he's our ultimate example um, because he loves and cares for his children. He shepherds them. And if you don't have kids and you're listening to this, this podcast is still for you because you have the blessing to go out and disciple younger people, younger guys, um, in their faith. And that is exactly what our role as a father is, is to bridge that gap before, you know, from, from God, you know, to, to our kids. So just a quick summary of some of the attributes that we hit on at the Gathering Podcast was that God is loving. And so there's so many things that can be said about how God is loving. And how we act when our kids aren't doing something we want is how they receive that love. So, for example, when we do something God doesn't like, does he discipline us out of spite? No. You know He loves us in our sin, and he leads and corrects us with patience, compassion, and mercy. And we're supposed to do the same thing for our kids. Another attribute of God is that he is good. Um, we read through Psalm 107, talking about how he is good. And basically, we kind of summed it all up that good is just an all-encompassing term for morally right or righteous. Um, and through discussion, we just determined that to be good as a father means you're going to be there. You're going to be present. You're going to show up for them and you're going to put them first above sports, above whatever shows on TV, above your hobbies, above your friends. And the third attribute that we talked about is that God is a provider and how, you know, we as his children, he loves us so much. He provides for us even more than, you know, say the birds of the sky. And so it, we, we, as fathers, we want our kids to be better off than we are. And that means sacrificing ourself and providing for them, you know, providing physically with food and clothing, a roof over their head, providing spiritually as their spiritual leaders in the home. You know, we are the authors under God of our children. And Trav's going to hit on that in a little bit. And then uh, even financially, you know, maybe leaving an inheritance for them, you know, having a retirement account for us in order to do that so that they don't have to take care of us. And, Maybe that's something we're gonna get into in the next podcast. Maybe at the start of 2020. Maybe yeah, some we'll, finances. We'll, t-
0: we'll touch on that again some more. That's that's definitely been my heart um, for for quite a while, you know. And so many folks um, I hear talk about how, well, you know, it's not about money; it's about relationships. And and I totally agree. The money, the money doesn't matter um what matters is keeping keeping those relationships in balance and by that i mean as a parent it's your job to care for your children it's not the opposite you know god god we don't god doesn't expect us to take care of him at all he he's got his ducks in a row everything's everything's good to go and so so that's just that's that's been something really strong on my heart. Um, just that, you know, if I have to sacrifice a few things here and there, um, maybe, you know, maybe I can't take my kids on the greatest vacation every year. Um, or as often as some people do, or I can't have a shamrock shake every single day through the month of March, every single day. Um, I mean, is, 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 I mean, that's as, acceptable amount of shamrock shakes yeah. for that maybe, month maybe
1: i'll have one every day but my kids won't <laughs> right
0: there i mean you just got to figure it out um but uh you know i i worked in i worked in palliative care for um, a while and just seeing how you know families that have had so many memories together and then they get to that point where everyone is gritting their teeth, trying to figure out just how they're going to take care of their parents because they're strapped financially. And, um, you know, mom or dad's been on their deathbed for the last three, four years because of some long-term, uh, terminal illness or something like that. And, and yeah, just that simple, you know, the, the Bible does mention an inheritance you know a godly man leaving an inheritance for his children's children and so many times um in my youth i've always heard people you know i i think they say it, i think it's brought up mostly to take the weight off your shoulders you know the stress of oh man i have to do this to be a good man or whatever but um if you i've, I've heard a lot of times where they just say you know oh it doesn't it's not necessarily talking about you know money you know and and I do agree to that like there's there's a lot of things that you can pass down to your kids that have nothing to do with wealth or um you know land or or but
1: possessions you can't take out the fact that that is what was left behind
0: that that's actually Livestock, the the example property. that was left it, yeah. you know um it was it was lands that they acquired. It was, um, livestock. It was
1: barns. It was, you know, all that type of stuff. So, but, but are um, you saying, so, our, without going too far away, are you saying that every man in the Bible did that, though? Uh,
0: I'm not, no, not at all. I think that, uh, I, I mean, I think there are plenty of examples of where that didn't happen. <laughs> um, and, I mean, that's, A large reason why so many people ended up in slavery, you know, if you owed money to someone because you were not making the best decisions, um, that's, that's kind of where slavery worked its way in. It was like, well, you have to work off that debt. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think that, um, it's, I don't know, it's been a huge passion of mine and uh I'm not there yet <laughs> by any means um definitely made my fair share of mistakes but uh, that's that's really strong on my heart and I would like to dedicate you know an entire podcast to finance and um what that means in regards to men being men being parents being husbands and um working that in yeah so look forward part. to
1: that in 2020 maybe in January we'll see We'll see. Uh, The last attribute of God I want to get at and we talked about is that God is a corrector. Um, Proverbs 19.25 says, if you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. If you correct the wise, they will be all the wiser. And so, of course, I'm wise, and so correcting me would make me wiser, right? So. And that, that's at least, you're all that's at least wise, what i like little, to think. You're all, yeah, all you. wisdom. <laughs> and so we talked about how, you know, the only way to have growth is to have change. And you can't have change, I would argue, without some discomfort and without correction, without guidance. Um, and God uses pain a lot of times, discipline, and correction in the lives of believers to make them more like Jesus, which isn't that our ultimate goal as Uh, first of all, a Christian to be more like Jesus. And then as a godly, as a Christian father as well, our ultimate goal is to make our kids more like Jesus. And so there has to involve some sort of correction, discipline. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, True love is committed to obtaining the highest possible good for its object, which means that God will stop at nothing to make that man in our case, child, holy, and remove his sinfulness. Uh, so essentially, if you love your kids, you're not just going to let them run and do whatever they want and give them everything. There's got to be discipline and order in your home. That's the only way that they're going to grow up into the kind of person that God wants them to be. And and it's not uh,
0: <clears throat> it's not something that you can set the stage for and just completely maintain that expectation throughout um <clears throat> when your children are are uh, non communicating um you know young and and haven't developed those skills yet you have to um you know we, discomfort is a really that's um that's probably one of the uh, biggest um links in language barrier is discomfort. Everybody understands it. And so, you know, that's where, you know, a uh, uh, slap on the hand when don't touch that, you know, um, and, and those things come into play. But as the child grows and even, you know, some kids are different, different personalities um, make up for different ways to discipline and handle. I cannot discipline I, my four children exactly the same. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Some kids shut off to certain types of discipline. Other kids, um, it, they, they, they're so worried about the discipline that they don't even understand why they're getting disciplined. It just, it doesn't even click or register, you know? So, um, and those things grow. And I think as the child gets older, um, discipline gets less and different, you know, you might start Grounding your kid after a while or taking away certain privileges and, um, and, and those things shift and you need to be, you, you need to be aware of that. It's not something that you're going to be able to set the standard at a certain age and just ride it out for the rest of your parenting. Um, you know, as a father, you're going to have to stay attuned to where your kids are at and
1: how to make up for that. Right. And so we kind of looked at, We we previously looked at a big picture view of the Father God in general. And now I want to kind of take a mid range view where the Bible gives us some instruction. So before we just looked at some attributes with no instruction other than be like God. And so here I want to just read Ephesians 6 and kind of get into a little bit of instruction that uh, the Bible gives us as fathers. So Ephesians 6, 4, uh, actually I'll begin in verse 1, I'll read 1 through 4. It says something, you know, for the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then it goes to fathers. So verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the first thing it says to do is is something you shouldn't be doing is provoking your children to anger. Now, I don't want to go into this a lot because instead of focusing on the negative of what we shouldn't be doing, I want to focus more on what we should be doing. I think, you know, especially as Christians, we get a lot of guilt and shame when we read through scripture and get all these commands and, you know oh, I shouldn't be doing this you can't be doing that and I can't you know have that but when we focus on what we should be doing and the way we should be living our lives instead of the negative those things will take care of themselves if we're doing what we're commanded to do it's going to take care of the negative in itself so instead of focusing too much on not provoking your children to anger which I know we've all done uh be, you know Never, yeah, never. You provoke me to anger, Travis. (laughs) I provoke myself to anger sometimes. (laughs) I think absolutely, and 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 so anger as anger as an emotion masks all other emotions. You know, it blurs and deadens our decisions. It's that one, well, maybe love, but anger in a different way blurs all those things. And what this isn't saying is that. You can't make your kids angry. It's not saying you shouldn't make your kids angry. Slapping them on the hand to tell them not to touch the hot stove. That's going to make them angry. Telling them they're grounded and they can't watch TV anymore for the rest of the day. Taking their phone away. definitely makes them angry. Making them eat their veggies. No. Things are going to make them angry. And this is not saying that you should not make your kids angry. But it's saying that you should avoid avoidable anger. Sure. Essentially taking precautions to avoid... Certain kinds of anger. When you're, you know, uh, Spurgeon said it. You know, he said uh, children will imitate their fathers in their vices, but seldom in their repentance. And that's so true. I even see it in my two and a half year old. The things that I struggle with, you know, he he's starting to deal with as far as you know stubbornness, and (laughs) and so we need to show them often that you know, apologize and forgiveness. And to avoid that avoidable anger is to not act like a child. So a 12 year old is going to act like a 12 year old. They're going to act out. And so we as men and as fathers need to take the high road as we call it and not act like a 12 year old, not, not say something back or do something out of that anger. Sure. Or not, you know, not be childish and oh, they did something. I'm gonna be sarcastic. Or I'm gonna do this little thing, and of course, it's gonna anger them. These are the avoidable things that we can, you know, that we should stay away from. Sure. And I think um,
0: even even psychology tells us, you know, we've learned so much over the years through through study. Um, but well, not not me. I just listen to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I just read the read the articles that other people have, uh, you know, from from other people's work. But <laughs> um, yeah, no. I 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, you know, we looked at kids like, um, little adults, but they're not really. Um, they say that, you know, typical brain development doesn't end, uh, or, or I should say doesn't complete until, um, you know, your mid twenties. So when you're looking at, you know, racking your head against a brick wall because you can't figure out why your 12 year old son keeps making these same mistakes over and over again, even though you talk to them and, and you discuss different things and they're just not getting it. Well, it, you know, you, you do have to understand that they're um, not developed as much as you are. And if, even if you look at it, you know, from a, a spiritual perspective, you do the exact same things that guarantee it um between your heavenly father and and yourself you know i know i do all the time to and the if you look, degree. if you look back at the um you know every story of the children of israel it's it's oh we're so sorry we'll never do it again and um you know there's forgiveness and then boom they fall again and oh we're so sorry we'll never do it again and boom and oh we're and I do the same thing. It's just harder to see. Um, I think having kids helps me identify that. But, you know, wh- one of the biggest ways in which I find um, that I create a lot more anger in my children is just that if I'm in reaction mode, <clears throat> when I'm in reaction mode, um, and but by, by that I mean... Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared for things. Maybe I'm, uh, trying to get something done last minute because maybe I've put it off, you know, instead of, um, doing maintenance on this or that. And now all of a sudden, um, everything's broke at once and now I'm stressed out and everything is, I'm, I'm reacting to every situation that's coming up instead of being proactive and anticipating those things and setting, um, setting goals so that I can um, manage those situations when they come up in reaction mode is when I almost always default to anger and provoking. And so I think that's a key thing as fathers, we need to stay on our maintenance. And I don't mean maintenance like, you know, on the car, although I do mean maintenance on the car, but, I mean, you know, um, maintenance on our spiritual health, maintenance on our physical health, which I have neglected over the last few months, um, maintenance on our marriage, maintenance on, you know, even just knowing who our kids are. Um, I took my two daughters out for lunch today and it was great. And I got to learn what their favorite pies were, you know, and, and how they tease each other about each other's difference in clothing styles and it was fun and I got to learn that. And I had the opportunity to now take that information and put it ahead of me so that when things come up um, I can be more, less reactive to those situations and and more productive. But
1: I think that's great. Yeah. I, when we're tired and worn down or uh, we haven't been in the word lately or we're not feeling well because we haven't been working out or our marriage isn't going to go on, going well. Absolutely. Um, maintenance is key in our lives so that we're not... In, I think you you hit it right on the head. Uh, so we're not in a reactive mode. Yeah. Uh, the rest of Ephesians uh, 6, 4, so it, other than not provoking your children to anger, it, it gives us what we should be doing. And it says, but... Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does that mean? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, alright, sit down. We're gonna read through the Bible, kids. (laughs) Like, I mean that, I guess that could work actually. (laughs) It it probably probably should be done occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I kinda wanna take a deeper look at maybe what this means now, maybe a more close-up view. We're going to get into Psalm 78. And just, so what does it mean to bring them up, to disciple them in, you know, the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Let me flip there real quick. You could probably take some of those uh, fashion advice from your daughters, by the way.
0: I have great, fashion, um, knowledge. I just don't necessarily implement it <laughs> into my daily
1: wardrobe. Although I, I like your shoes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you must have got them from Coles.
0: <laughs> Please refer to the previous podcast to uh, <laughs> yeah. know what we're talking about.
1: Uh, Psalm 78. I'm going to go ahead and... Da, da, da. I'll read those. I'll read the first few verses here. Uh, Verse number one. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Verse four. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord And his might and the wonders that he has done. So the first thing we see in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is that we need to tell. We need to tell our kids of the glorious things God's done, of, of who he is to us. What has God done for you? How has he been in your life involved, loving you for you? And we need to share those things with our children and obviously to other people as well. But this commands fathers to do that to their children. So, I know you can think of you know a hundred different things right now of how God has just blessed your life. The amazingness of God that maybe your kids wouldn't understand right now. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be telling them right now, and then can telling them again, and telling them again, and
0: again. Absolutely. I mean, how many times did Jesus, uh, the the um, king of parables how many times did he tell the disciples a story and they didn't have a clue as to what he was saying? And then all of a sudden it came together in the end. Um, I, I have, I have a similar situation like that in my life where, um, as a younger man, I, uh, I worked at a summer camp, a good news camp up in Gladwin. Um, has recently been, um, merged with, uh, the Springs camp. And, um, but I, I worked there in my teen years and there was a gal who lived, uh, next door, um, Grandma Betty, we called her, and she was old gal in her 90s that, um, I bet she had 90% of the Bible memorized and just, um, a total blessing. She, she would meet people and just give them a life verse, like, um, you know, ask them questions and whatever. And then she'd assign them a life verse and that was their, that was their life verse that they had to memorize for I've got life. I one in mind for you. <laughs> and, uh, um, one thing she told me, I, I, I can't remember the context of the conversation or anything, but she told me, Travis, never wait around for the perfect girl because she doesn't exist. And I took her very literal at that point and, um, when years later i met the perfect girl <laughs> i um i did have the opportunity to introduce her to grandma betty which was awesome but i realized that what she was saying and this was this was years later i realized what she was really saying was that i'm not perfect so how can i expect anyone who is perfect to um bring me into their life And and accept me into their life forever. And and I think that goes for all of us. The only one who does is Christ. (laughs) Perfect. um, Perfect son of God. um, Who. Who willingly. um, Takes us in. But. um, Yeah I I totally agree. You have those stories. Those situations. um, Tell them to your kids. They might not get it. But. Maybe down the road,
1: it'll hit. I mean, it's Christmas. Go tell it on the mountain, right? (laughs) Right. Start singing, Trev. Please don't. (laughs) So so we need to tell our kids. That's one way that we're commanded uh, to lead them. And I'll keep reading here. So that's verse 4, how we're supposed to tell of God's glorious deeds, his might, and the wonders he's done. Verse 5 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a new law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. So the next one is to teach. Now, teach in what? Teach in scripture. Teach the commands of God. Teach of, you know, how to change a tire. Absolutely. I mean, this could mean a lot of things. This is specifically, I think, referring to the commands of God, salvation, and what God has for his children. We are dads, and if we're not teaching our kids, somebody is going to. Somebody, the world, the TV, YouTube, I don't know, whatever kids are on. Something somewhere is going to teach our kids. They're going to soak up information, and I know I want that to be coming from me. That way I can guide and teach them in the way that they need to go. So we need to tell our kids about God, about the good things. And then we need to teach them of who God is, of how to obey him, how to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And if nothing else, that should be the one thing we're telling them all the time, is how good he is that he forgave a sinner like me, and then teaching them how they can have the same exact thing. And what I love about this is that this is just one area in Scripture there it's commanding fathers to do something that we are supposed to be uh, bringing our kids up in discipline and instruction by telling them and teaching them. And to finish out in Psalm 78, uh, verse 6 through 8, so if you do these things, you tell and you teach them. It says, The next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So essentially you do these, you do these things, you tell about who God is, you teach them about who God is. Then two things could be the result. And that not only their salvation, but generational truth generational salvation to your kids, your grandkids. There, are, There is a legacy that we as fathers are commanded to take charge of. And we're going to be better fathers because of it. And they're going to be better fathers because of it. We, as men, uh, don't have the only role in the home to do this. You know, our wives can do it. Our kids do go to you know Sunday school where they're going to hear these things. So we don't have the only role, but we do have the leading role. And uh, to to put it in Matt Chandler's words, he talked about how if Jesus was to come to the house, knock on the door, you know, and I'll, I'll use my family. If Jesus came to my house, and knocked on the door. Yeah, and Chelsea answered the door. He'd say, hey, good morning, Chelsea. Where's Will? (laughs) Because it's my job as husband, it's my job as father to take charge and lead. So if things aren't going right, sure, there's some responsibility on them, absolutely. But there's certainly responsibility on me. Look at the garden. Who did God look for? Sure. Where's Adam? Sure. And... I don't I like I don't take this lightly. This is something that if you think about who God is and the role that he's put on us as men, we we have a lot we need to do. We have a lot that God has entrusted to us to do.
0: And uh <clears throat> it can be it can be really exhausting. Um and I I think that I think that it it helps to um consider your priorities. Uh, so many times we, you know, we just get burdened down with with so much to do that all we want at the end of the day is just to sit on the couch and veg out. Um but there there's there's priorities and I lose sight of it all the time. Um so this is this is something I need to um implement better myself but I lose sight of the priority. So, um, I might be thinking, Oh, I need to get rest so that I can, you know, get up tomorrow and get the work done that I need to get done so that I can make the money so that I can pay the bills, blah, blah, blah. When in reality, the priority is the souls of our kids. And, um, yeah, I, I admittedly, I fail there a lot. Um, and, and I take the, uh, the easy road, but, uh, um, I still attempt to, uh, learn how to become a better leader. Um, I, I have a, a leadership podcast that I really like to listen to. Um, and I, I highly recommend it. It's the, uh, Craig Rochelle leadership podcast. And this last episode was, uh, um, episode 65 and it was, uh, titled leading from the middle and basically the the leadership podcast he has it's focused more on you know corporate leadership um business setting but uh, i really believe that this many of those things can be taken into the home and this episode in particular um it was talking about middle managers and leading from the middle and what their responsibilities are and how to implement um good leadership and qualities of that basically trying to give an image three images for what it means to be a good middle manager and if you think about what a middle manager is um you know a middle manager is someone who has uh corporate uh leadership above them that is sending them information and goals and um achievement standards and they have people you know employees uh, below them that they are trying to uh, encourage and manage to meet those standards and i think if you think about our role as a father it's very similar god has the standards um and it's our job to help connect our children um, to that god and um and achieve those goals. And, um, he, he basically, he, he, uh, said that there were three images that best describe what uh, a middle manager is. Um, they are translators, they are coaches and they are scorekeepers. Um, and I, I really liked how he went into <clears throat> describing them. He said that a, a, a translator is, uh, you know, it's senior senior management sets the vision, or in this case, God sets the direction for the family. Um, and as a father, it's our job to, or he was describing, um, you know, middle managers, but uh, for us it, as a father, it's our job to translate God's vision to our children, as I just mentioned. Um, and how we do that is we set goals and we create systems in the home, um, you know, et cetera, to, to help achieve that. So um you know, whether it's okay, we're going to um you know, one of one of God's visions is to know him and to know him we need to read his word. And so one of the ways that we can set goals to uh or achievement standards to accomplish that goal is to you know set standards for okay the this evening, you know, the, these two three evenings a week, um, we're going to dive into the Word and, and have a, a um, family Bible study, um, which is something I really need to get more into. My, I tell you, my children have just grown um, in the blink of an eye, it, it seems like. And um, when they were younger, you know, I never really thought about having a... a Family Bible study for a, a two year old. <laughs> um, but now, you know, my youngest is six and it's like, my goodness, you know, I've, I've never implemented this. i I'm not even sure if I know how <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I just don't naturally have that teaching ability.
1: And so, um, I've often heard it said as well that like when you're doing your devotions, of course it's so much easier to do your devotions. When it's quiet, you're alone. But how much more rewarding is it for your kids when they see their dad sitting at the table reading his Bible? Sure, setting that standard.
0: And and one of the biggest things for I know a lot of people. Um, I'm a I'm a Bible app. You know, speaking of Greg, Craig Rochelle uh, and and Life Church, um, I'm a Bible app guy. I read from my phone. Um, but when your kids see that, all they see is dad's on his phone again, scrolling you know? through Facebook, so texting Will. That's definitely texting Will. That's definitely a goal of mine is to uh, definitely get into the actual uh, written word more. Um, but anyway, to, to get back to the translator, um, you know, just like a middle manager, um, when you're when you're um, providing that image or explaining that image to. Um, your team or your family, your children, you know, you can't be negative. You can't, um, you can't say, well, you know, God says you got to be perfect, you know? So no, that's not going to work. Just like in a management sense, if a middle manager is being negative about, um, you know, the, the corporate echelon, it's, it's not going to produce good, um, employees, and, uh, or a good work environment. So you got to close the gap and you've got to, um, you know, the, the team, the team forgets the why. And so you have to keep reminding them of that in a positive way. Um, the second thing was a coach and, uh, he just mentioned how, um, you know, as a coach, you're, you're, you've been there, you know, you're, um, you're experienced. You've played the game before. We've all, as parents have been children. (laughs) So, um, if we can remember that, I know it's hard because I feel like I was like the most obedient, perfect child ever. Um, you feel like it. I was (laughs) so, uh, but yeah, you, you know, you've played the game and you use your experience to help your kids succeed. Um, and that's the thing. Like we're not, we're, we're trying, the goal is to have our children succeed. So we need to be the coach and, and, you know, um, change things up. And what do great coaches do? They build the team and they develop people. So, you know, if we have, um, uh, you know, I, I coached Pee Wee football and one of the things that I tried to stress was that what we teach, or I should say what, what the children learn, will happen on the field. So if they're screwing things up on the field, then they're not learning it correctly. Which means if they're not learning it correctly, um, we need to change up our teaching. Like we, we can't keep teaching the same way and expecting them to just all of a sudden learn it. For some reason, what we're doing is not working. And that's the same, same thing. You have to be that coach. If the plays aren't working on the field, if the ball's not moving down the field, you got to change things up. You got to do things differently. And that's exactly what you have to do with your kids. Um, the other uh, was a scorekeeper. And um, I think it's, um, you know, children, they naturally focus on themselves as we all do. Um, and it's always about, oh, how does this affect me? Um, why, you know, oh, we have to do this. I have to do the dishes or I have to do my homework or I have to, you know, uh, get up early, go to church on Sunday or whatever. It's always how, how it's affecting me and what's going to happen to me. And what we need to do is we need to focus on the mission, which is ultimately evangelism. That's what we're all called as Christians is to spread the gospel. So, um, we need again to close that gap, um, between our children and our father and, um, so we need to, to do that, we need to create systems, um, and accountability to accomplish the goal. And the way we do that is keeping score. Um, you know, we need to measure the executions against the system to see are the plays working, you know, are, are we, um, is everything working the way it's supposed to be or are we ineffective? And so, You know, again, back to the, the sports reference of like a, a coach. Um, you know, any coach or team member who doesn't know the score, um, is going to get fired. So, you know, if, if we have to, we have to kind of keep that score and, um, by that, I mean, you know, keep a measurement. Um, I think it was Peter, um, Peter Drucker. Uh, if I'm saying that right, I, I have to look it back up. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he said, um, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And so basically, uh, if it doesn't get measured, it doesn't get improved. And so therefore we do have to keep score on these things. How are these things working in our home with our children? Um, we have to, um, bring the mission to the team with a positive attitude, keep the goal and morale high that just like a middle manager, a good middle manager would do. Um, we have to do that with our kids. You know, we, we have to keep that ultimate goal in the forefront and, and keep that positive attitude for them. And one thing, one of the biggest things about, um, you know, as a middle manager or, uh, in our case, as a father, the goal is not to be recognized. Don't worry about being recognized as a good father. Focus on getting the results and recognition will come or it won't. It doesn't matter. The results are there. So, um, I think a practical way we can do this is just kind of try to figure out which, which one of these is our greatest strength and which one is our greatest weakness. And, kind of go from there measure ourselves how are you as a translator how well do you take god's vision and show your children how good of a coach are you you know um how good of a scorekeeper are you are you just kind of going through things or whatever just find one of those um images that are your weak link and and work on that and yeah i i Listen to the podcast; it's awesome. Again, that's the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, episode sixty-five. Um, subscribe to that one too. So,
1: <laughs> and subscribe to ours for yeah, crying subscribe, out. <laughs> rate it, yeah. So, Ephesians six talks about uh, bringing our kids up in discipline instruction by telling them and teaching them, and we tell and teach by being these three: by being the translator. This is what God has for our kids. By being the coaches, you know, is it working? How do we motivate them? What do we need to change up? And being the scorekeeper, let's focus on the results. I like that. That's that's awesome. I wish that was your original. Uh, and some, I mean, some yeah, of yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't need to give credit to anybody. No, yeah. uh, so, and I'll do my yeah. best to have that
1: link in the bio too. So oh, perfect. And so we're uh pretty much at our time here. Um but just, just really briefly, uh, we are not perfect fathers and we will never be perfect fathers, but we have to strive to be. And in order to do that, we gotta, we gotta put this stuff into practice. We have to be in the word and we have to let our wives in on it. And we certainly have to get together with other men and have encouragement and get advice and give advice and one way to do that is to whether you're listening this locally or not is to find that group of men whether it's at your home church somewhere or whether if you're here in gladwin we'd love to have you join us at the gathering uh, actual physical gathering the gathering the breakfast gathering breakfast. breakfast yeah And when is that travis
0: uh so the next gathering will be January eleventh. Uh that's Saturday morning, uh six thirty in the morning at the nine sixty three building on North M eighteen in
1: Gladwin. Perfect. And we're also thinking about switching things up a little differently. Yeah. And so what we've been doing the last few times is having the breakfast and having, you know, fifteen, twenty minute lesson and then using this podcast to go deeper. And so we're gonna switch up the way that we structure that. And so, yeah, sure. So, so hopefully, um, next week, uh, we're just
0: kind of throwing na- this or out or there Week, week and a half. <laughs> somewhere there. We're going to sometime d- before yeah. the next gathering, um, we're going to release, um, another podcast with the content, um, for that breakfast. So you can listen to that podcast, uh, get a bunch of ideas and then come prepared. We want to get you guys involved. We want to have a lot more dialogue and, um, so you can come to breakfast prepared uh, in your mind to, uh, you know, maybe share
1: something you learned or, uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit more I really, about that. I really feel like this new structure is going to give us a chance to go deeper at the gathering and just have some better fellowship. I agree. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.